This is Carol Hugh, my first time caller, long time listener. I love, love, love your show. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season two episode of the show titled Medusa. But first, let's get to the news. During an inside featurette for The Flash, executive producer Todd Helbing reveals that Supergirl's Earth is Earth's 38 in the multiverse. They're going to fight aliens. He wants to use an alien to train against them. So he goes to Earth uh, 38 and uh, gets Kara Zor-El, known as Supergirl. Okay, do you remember last year when um, I helped you out and you promised to do the same for me? What are we up against? According to DCComics.com, quote, on Earth 38, time moves as it does on Earth Prime ceaselessly forward whether you are simply human or superhuman in this world superman first appeared to the public in 1938 and batman followed one year later in 1939 from that point on clark kent and bruce wayne proceeded to age normally growing old and eventually leaving the superheroics to their sons daughters and grandchildren Modern citizens of Earth-38 are familiar with a whole dynasty of heroes following in the footsteps of the original Batman and Superman. This includes Kara, or Kara Kent, the daughter of Clark Kent and Lois Lane, who would go on to develop her own superpowers and fight injustice as Supergirl. The title of Batman, taken on after Bruce Wayne's retirement by the original Robin, Dick Grayson, is eventually passed down to Wayne's son, Bruce Wayne Jr., Even later, the grandson of Superman and Batman, Clark Wayne, develops a futuristic superhero identity known as Nightwing with a a K-N-I-G-H-T wing, unquote. So that that gives you some, uh, if you didn't know anything about Earth-38, that's a little bit of history on Earth-38 according to DCComics.com. And I also went to the DC Wiki uh, that had a few other little tidbits to share about Earth-38. It said Earth-38 is based on John Byrne's Superman and Batman Generations and is a direct continuation of the pre-crisis Earth, uh, Earth Earth-3839. And DC Wiki also said Earth-38 is opposite Earth-36 in the structure of the multiverse. And um, Carly, I don't know if you got a chance to look at this tremendously complicated map of the multiverse I found on dccomics.com. It's a little crazy, and I think I'm going to, like, this is going to be 
my villain origin story. I feel like this is, <laughs> it's going to make me go insane uh, just because I had never seen this before. And when I looked this up, I was like, wow, this is a lot of information to take in. Um, it, there's, a, there's a map on dccomics.com if you would like to go uh, check it out. I'll, I'll probably put it in the, in the show notes as well. But it, it's kind of cool. It shows everything that is, exists in the multiverse and where all the Earths are. Um, I, I would like to point out, because I thought this was a little funny, that Supergirl's Earth, which is apparently Earth-38, uh, according to the Berlantiverse, it's located near Hell, which I thought was very <laughs> concerning. Um, so uh, I thought that was funny. But uh, yeah, so we now know which Earth in the multiverse Supergirl's Earth is on. Uh, but I don't think they're going to stay very, you know... Uh, they're not going to be strict about it in terms of the DC Comics lore. They're just calling it Earth-38 in the Ber- Berlanti universe, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's super trippy. I love that the map has the Speed Force wall that like surrounds all the multiverses. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I highly recommend uh, everybody checking it out because it's neat. Because it, it, it even has like the the Source wall, which I'm a little bit familiar with because I know Superman... like. Uh, stuck dark side to the source wall one time. I uh, don't remember which story that was, so don't quote me on that, but I, 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 I have a feeling that that happened at some point. I kind of remember that. Um, so that's all I know about the source wall. But yeah, it's, it's a very interesting uh, map layout. So um, yeah, so Earth-38, that's where we exist uh, in, in Supergirl's world. Well, that's all the news that we have, so let's get to our discussion of the Season 2 episode of Supergirl titled Medusa. And here is the official description. Quote, Eliza, guest star Helen Slater, comes to town to celebrate Thanksgiving with her daughters. Alex decides it's time to come out to her mother. Kara is shocked when Eliza suggests Monel has feelings for her, and Wynn and James consider telling Kara the truth about The Guardian. Meanwhile, Cadmus unleashes a virus that instantly kills any alien in the vicinity, so Kara enlists an unexpected ally, Lena Luther. The epic superhero crossover kicks off when Barry Allen, guest star Grant Gustin, and Cisco Ramon, guest star Carlos Valdez, seek Kara's help with an alien invasion on their Earth, unquote. And that is one of the longest descriptions we have ever had <laughs> for this show. Um, so the thanks- funniest thing, no, the funny thing, though, is that the first half of that all happens in the first scene of the episode. Yeah. Well, Alex decides it's time to come out. Kara is shocked when Eliza thinks that Monel's into her, and Wynn and James consider telling Kara the truth about Guardian. That all happens before the opening titles. <laughs> well, they didn't want to spell, spoil anybody. <laughs> um, so thank you for uh, sitting, sitting through that whole thing um, to get to our discussion. Um, so I guess since Cadmus did play uh, such a big part of this episode with the Luthers and all of the the aliens and the dangers that they were in, uh, Carly, what did you think about the Cadmus part of the episode? Well, if anything, I feel like it wasn't really so much about Cadmus as it was about Kara finding out some stuff about Krypton and her and her father and his, you know, his indirect hand in enabling Cadmus to create this virus. You know, because based on the summary, it sounds like they're the ones that unleash the virus, but they basically take Zorel's plans and co-opt them for their own nefarious purposes. So 
you know, I remember I watched the episode the first, you know, the night it aired. And I was like, dang, like there's some dark stuff going on where Kara's dad basically creates this virus that kills anybody, eliminates anybody that's not a Kryptonian. Um, it's pretty harsh. And that's I, I like that they kind of had Kara wrestling with that. And um, through the episode, she had a really good conversation with John about it. And, um, you know, where she was like, is my parents' legacy only death and destruction? And he was like, no, your parents' legacy is you. I know. Um, which I thought was very sweet. And then they did that really scary thing with his face where, like, half of it became a white Martian. I was like, oh, it's so scary. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if it, if I was necessarily as interested in the Cadmus aspect of it so much as I was interested in the fact that it was it was Kara's, you know, Kara's dad that was responsible for the virus in the first place. I mean... Obviously, he didn't know what was gonna what was gonna be used for, but you know, she tells the AI, she's like, "Well, now your, you know, your your uh, invention is in the hands of my greatest enemy." And I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Supergirl. <laughs> that's hard." <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. That Cadmus really they didn't do anything to create the Medusa virus. They just kind of <laughs> stole it from the fortress basically. So yeah, this was, uh, unfortunately all Zarel's doing, even though I, I think when he did it, he did it to protect his people. And I, I did feel bad for Kara for Supergirl in this one, because she has slowly over time, her, the, the image of her parents when she left Krypton has been tarnished in certain ways. Like she had mm -hmm. problems with Allura in season one and, and having to come to terms about the fact that her memories of her mother from when she was a kid are not necessarily what was real. And that was the same kind of thing with Zorel in this episode. Um, so I, I really hate that for her. But I, I, I was uh, impacted by Melissa's performance when she goes to the fortress and she sees Zorel's hologram. Um, she did this really nice thing where she kind of like, uh, when Zorel's talking to her at first, like she has to kind of pull herself together and, and, and stuff her, her emotions down and kind of respond to him. And I thought that was such a nice choice because I, I could feel Kara's, uh, connection, her wanting to see her dad again. And the, the fact that she was face to face with her dad again, I, I thought Melissa did such a good, uh, a job in portraying that. And, uh, I was personally um, also very happy to see the use of Kryptonese in this episode when Kara <laughs> goes to see uh, the fortress and in interacts with the uh, with the Zorel hologram. Um, some Krypt uh, some Kryptonese pops up and it's actually accurate. Like you can actually Yay. apply the Kryptonian alphabet to those letters and it spells out Medusa. I was so relieved that it was <laughs> translatable. That made me so happy. Uh, so that was exciting. Um, so yeah, so the 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 whole part, you know, the the fault of the episode is squarely on. Well, I don't guess squarely on Zarel's shoulders. He he kind of had his stuff co-opted by Lillian Luther. Uh, so maybe it wasn't entirely his fault. Um, so what, Carly, what did you think about uh, Lillian and, and her, her interactions with Lena in this episode? Oh, it was so chilly. Like the first scene where um, Lena calls her mother, you know, to get a meeting with her basically. And she shows up and um, 
Lena says something to Lillian, like, oh, I know I was never your favorite child, you know, because I'm adopted or whatever. And Lillian basically is like, well, parents don't love their children equally. I was like, whoa, (laughs) it's so harsh. But it was such a good scene. Like, I felt like the two actresses were just on the same level the whole time, Um, just kind of trading those little barbs like back and forth, which made me kind of sad in a way, because I was like, this is basically their whole relationship. Yeah. Like, Lena knows that Lillian definitely prefers Lex over her. But then it's interesting because Lillian makes a comment that Lena is is uh, Lionel's favorite. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting thing, which I'm wondering now if that means we're going to get a Lionel appearance eventually, which would be fun. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting and also kind of plays to past portrayals that we've seen where Lex, Lex and Lionel have not had the best relationship. So it's interesting that there seems to be a, a, the same kind of, like, I don't know, the same kind of animosity, I guess, on the other side between mother and daughter. I thought they were gonna. I thought they were going to have her start to be a little bit bad, and I was kind of rooting for it. And then at the end, she did the right thing, and I was like, well, she kind of had a little bit of a gray area moment. So I guess I'm okay with it. <laughs> I have to say, I was very disappointed. I had when, to, yeah, I had a feeling you were. Uh, I got so excited when she was like, hey, I want to work with you, Mom. I want to do this bad stuff with you. I was like, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I've been waiting for. And then at the end, when she like had reversed everything so that none of the aliens were impacted, I was like, well. Yeah. That I mean, it's was good fun. that she saved the aliens, but I feel like. I feel like we're not out of the woods yet if in terms of her potentially doing something evil or not entirely good later on in the season. Like, I think that I think they're laying the groundwork for her to potentially have more of a relationship with her mother, which I'm sure is not going to lead to good things. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think in some ways I like that she is trying to be the good Luther because I think, you know, in some ways, she is not one of them. And so it sort of makes sense that she doesn't want to go down the path that Lillian has gone down, that Lex has gone down. Um, you know, I know you mentioned Lionel. We don't know if that's his name, but I'm assuming that his name is Lionel since her, the, her, the mom's name is Lillian, uh, like it was on Small, Smallville. So, um, so we don't know if the father is like that as well. But if they are all Luthers, uh, you know, like in their blood, I would assume that they do kind of have that bad, that dark side to them. So the fact that she's adopted, she does have, I don't want to say free will, but I think she has more motivation to be the good one in the family. So in some ways I like that choice, but I don't know. I, maybe it's because I watched Merlin and I just relished Katie McGrath as a villain. And so I, I just, I think it's a missed opportunity uh, to have Katie McGrath on your show and not give her that villain status because she's so good at it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I do kind of hope we get to see a little more of that uh, sometime later on. But I thought in this story, in the particular episode, in the story that they were telling for this, I thought it was good. And I, I, I liked that she outsmarted her mother. Um, you know, the, the doctor didn't see it coming until that happened. So I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised to at least see that the, that twist was not only a, a twist for me, it was a twist for Lillian. Well, I don't know, because part of me was like, well, why would she be completely surprised? 
I feel like she would be more suspicious that Lena would want to help her after years of like <laughs> not caring about her, I guess. I don't know. I think if, if I was going to assume things about her mindset, which clearly she is somewhat you know, I don't want to say, I don't know if crazy is the legal term. I think insanity she's, is the legal term. Yeah. She's uh, not entirely. She's not stable. Um, no. No. Uh, I would think that the fact that Lena was even being nice to her or was like playing along and wanting to do bad things with her, maybe she thought that was like a bonding experience for the two of them. And so it sort of clouded her judgment. Like she's like, oh, Lena wants to do stuff with me. This is. This is cool, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to assume anything. So, I don't, I don't know why she wouldn't have caught on to that. But I, I guess maybe in, somewhere deep down, she wanted to have some kind of relationship with Lena. Uh, she just always kind of went about it the wrong way. But yeah, she, um, they did have. You mentioned that they kind of were uh, swapping barbs. Uh, I, I thought some of those, those lines were pretty great i particularly loved the uh the moment when lena says you know some mothers wear a locket with pictures of their children and you wear the keys to a bazooka and like of course lillian corrects her and she's like it's a rocket launcher you know get it together lena it's a rocket launcher um but i thought that was so great because i was like lillian luther being excited about a rocket launcher is exactly why i love lillian luther um, so I really enjoyed their interactions in this episode. But I had a question. Like, do you think that she, that the, when Lena called the cops on Lillian, is that it for the doctor? Is she in prison? No. Well, I think she might be in prison, but I think she's going to get out somehow. I hope I so. I feel like it's not, I feel like it's not, it can't be, it can't be tied up that neatly. There's got to be, there's got to be something else. Yeah, I, I was like, well, I mean, the first half of the season, I guess, was this whole Cadmus story arc. Like, I guess it makes sense that maybe they've wrapped it up so that the doctor is, you know, put away and they can do something else the second part of the season. But I, I was like, no, this this feels like it's happening too soon. So I don't know what's going to happen to the doctor. But I think the, the whole Lena being a good guy works when there's another Luther to be bad. So if... Lillian goes away, I wonder if Lena will step up into that Luthorian bad guy role. So I don't I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I, I I hope the doctor hasn't gone away for good uh because I've thoroughly enjoyed her this season. And she uh Lillian had a a a cyborg goon who was causing some trouble in this episode. So Carly, what did you think about uh, cyborg Superman and all the trouble he was causing? Oh, cyborg Superman. They were doing some weird thing where like his makeup changed a little bit. Like mm. last week, last week, I think was it last week's episode where, uh, she gets kidnapped by Cadmus I'm like blanking because I wasn't here. <laughs> um, who who gets and oh um, uh, Supergirl. Supergirl? Okay, yep. Yeah. So and then and then the scene where he gets like his face punched off, so you see the cyborg eye underneath, right? So that in that scene, it was like a little bit more ragged. Like they did the makeup where the skin was kind of more grafted around it, and then in this episode, for some reason, they did some weird like Phantom of the Opera type thing where it was like. A metal half mask 
over his face that like didn't quite blend into the rest of his skull. Like it. <laughs> I I actually noticed that too. I thought that was weird myself. Like it wasn't it wasn't good makeup. <laughs> like it literally just looks like they took they took a a you know a mold and like of a mask and just like slapped it on his face. <laughs> it did not. It like didn't cover his nose entirely. I'm like, why didn't they just like keep it the same as it was last week? I don't know. That's that's a nitpick thing, I think. But um, my favorite part though was at the end where it was David Harewood versus David Harewood. <laughs> I thought you might and, like that. And it was, and I was like, this is so much David Harewood. I love it. And it was Cyborg <laughs> Superman. It was John Jones versus OG Hank, Cyborg Superman, uh, and Martian Manhunter 1. And I was like, yay. But then he turned into the White Martian, and it was like kind of a weird green-white Martian hybrid, and that was kind of scary to me. I didn't like that. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, that was really scary when uh, the hybrid kind of came out, but the hybrid took care of business. Like, Cyborg Superman was scared of it. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I thought so. Uh, that was interesting to see. So yeah, that was that was cool to see them having a fight. That was awesome. Um, although I thought some of the dialogue was a little clunky and cheesy. Like at one point, uh, you know, there's you're a monster and I'm going to send you back to hell. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> I almost feel like Hank Henshaw. That was probably his personality, like back when he used to run the DEO. Yeah. You should just say cliches all the time. Yeah, it was super cliche. And then uh, Cyborg Superman says, you might be an alien, but I'm Cyborg Superman. And I was like, who cares? Um, so <laughs> so some of the dialogue I, I felt like could have been a little better, but Supergirl kind of made up for it when she says, you may be a cyborg, but you are no Superman. So I was like, well, that that was kind of cool. That was, that was a good line. So, yeah, so, so if they had just fought, that would have been awesome, but they had to put those one-liners in there. Um, the, I'm going to send you back to hell. That could have been cut <laughs> out. That could have that could have been uh, could have gone, um, but I'm talking about it, so it must have been worth it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I I enjoyed that fight as well. And what did you think about Cyborg Superman planting the bio weapon at the unnamed alien bar? Oh yeah, well, it's interesting because, like, I guess that's a I guess it was like a test run. Like they wanted to see if how it would work. Um like a trial period before finding a way to like deploy it. Um, I don't know. It was a scene with Monel, So I feel like I kind of tune out <laughs> whenever he's <laughs> I like actively just tune out. I start looking at my phone. I'm like, Oh, what are people tweeting about? <laughs> you had no concern for the other aliens in the bar. That's harsh. Carly. I don't know. There was like one girl that was like hitting on him at one point, And I was like, I don't care about this. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a little. Um, she was really avert in the in the hitting on on him. She was like, "You want to have a good time?" And I was like, "What show is this?" Ew. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "What show? What is this? The eight o'clock hour? This this seems a little risque for for Supergirl." Uh, so yeah, I I thought it was really sad for all the 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 aliens in the bar. Um, but yeah, I can understand your problems with Monel in that scene because that was a little gross. Although Monel kind of politely, you know, kind of told her to cool it, um, which I thought was very respectful in some ways. Uh, so I was proud of him for that. But uh, yeah, so 
the, uh, the all the patrons in the alien bar uh, kind of uh, bit the big one on this one. So I I don't know if they'll address it in the you know the next episode, but uh, that was pretty impactful because then it, it it built the stakes for later on the episode for me because when Cadmus you know with Lena's help had the stuff the isotope that I thought was going to kill everyone else, I was worried about them because I had seen that all these other aliens had been murdered. So um, I thought it did a, a good job of raising the stakes and, and, and the tension uh, that was building throughout the episode. Even though the bar still doesn't have a name. <laughs> what is the deal? I'm so tired <laughs> of saying alien bar. I feel like that's not a good enough name. They need to, when they come back after the first of the year, they need to give that bar a name. I don't know what they would call it, but it needs to have a name that I think we should campaign for that. I think we should push for it uh, because it needs a name because unnamed alien bar is not working for me. Um, although if you branded it, if it had a cool logo, unnamed alien bar could maybe work. Uh, it would just need uh, some good branding. Yeah. Plus then you could sell like t-shirts. I would totally buy a t-shirt for the alien bar. Just unnamed just alien like- bar. And named Alien Bar, or just with the logo on it. So it's like, I know what this is in reference to, but like stealth wise, but pe- some people on the street might not know. And I'd be like, the bar from Supergirl, because I'm a nerd. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm putting it out there for anybody listening to this. If you are a designer, if you uh, like to draw, but if somebody wants to design a logo for the unnamed Alien Bar, I would love to see what people come up with because I feel like that would be so funny. I feel like they need some help in this area uh, because it it should have a name. They all hang out there all the time. I know. Let's just tweet at the writers, the writers' Twitter account, and be like, "When is the bar going to have a name on the show?" Because then you can be like, "Oh, I'm going to meet," you know. Alex can be like, "Oh, I'm meeting Maggie at blah blah blah." Yeah, and we all know (laughs) what it is because it has a name. So they need to get on that. Needs to happen. Um, so uh, let's uh, flip some gears a little bit because we got a return of a character we hadn't seen in a while. Um, so Eliza Danvers came back. We got to see Helen Slater again. So what did you think about the return of Eliza? What, what did you think about her in this episode? She got to do science. <laughs> And Mamie's and and Alex got to do science with her. Yeah, which I was like really excited about. I mean, uh, we did get the really good scene between the two of them, which I really loved. Um, but I was like, you get to see Alex using science and medical skills because she stitches up Maggie in the episode. Yep. Um, I was like, look at that. She's finally using her medical degree, <laughs> which we found out about and didn't and never got used. Um, but yeah, they really, I loved the scene with her and Alex in the DEO and basically the fact that Alex like doesn't even have to say the words, her mom just knows. She's like, why would it be a big deal that you're gay? And I was like, oh, I love you, Eliza. You're so great. And then (laughs) my other favorite part was at the end when she, she reveals that she used Medusa to target the white Martian blood cells in John Jones's bloodstream and he comes out as Martian Manhunter, and he's all smiling. And then she walks over, and they hug. I know. That was my other favorite part. I actually got a little emotional. I was like, oh. 
Yeah, that was cute, especially because the Danvers were always so kind to him. They were, yeah. they were always the people who sort of looked past that he was an alien and that he needed help and that they could right. do something for him. Well, it was nice. Like, when you see the journey, like, I mean, ever since he met Jeremiah. And I was just like, oh, I love them. I know. They just have such a nice relationship. Like, Jeremiah was nice to him. Eliza was really nice to him. He, you know, he's kind of like a father figure to Alex and Kara a little bit. So... It just makes me very happy. He's kind of like Uncle. He's kind of like Uncle Jean to yeah. the Danvers. Yeah, and he's he's sort of a, a member of their family in a lot of ways. So yeah, that was nice to see that she was able to help him, and she helped Monel as well. So mm-hmm. she, Eliza kind of saved the day in this episode, um, in in multiple ways, and I I thoroughly enjoyed uh, seeing Helen Slater. I actually, the more we saw of her in this episode, the more I kept thinking. I wish she was a regular on this show. Yeah. Like they yeah, need, me too. they need a doctor. I mean, Alex can cut it a little bit, but Alex has got to go shoot guns and go out in the field and do things. So I feel like they need a doctor at the DEO to, to deal with these medical problems and these sciencey things. Cause that was really fun that she was talking about all this sciencey jargon that I had no idea what she's talking about, but I was like, I'll go with it. Cause Helen Slater's talking about it. Um, so I enjoyed that about her and I was really, it just made me wish that we got to see more of her because I enjoyed her so much. And I thought her scene, like you said, with Alex, I thought uh, Eliza was great in that scene and Helen did such a good job. Her, her performance was awesome, um, in that scene. And I loved her line where she says, I love you however you are. And I thought that was such a nice thing that she could have said to her daughter to kind of help her get over her, I guess, anxiety about the situation and her uneasiness about having to tell her mom. And I I did think I I did notice that she, you know, Eliza didn't have to be told. She kind of just recognized it, which I I, I thought that that was interesting because she uh, I think she suspected something was going on. And she just she just knew. And like she told Cara at the beginning of the episode, she's like, you know, a mother knows. So I thought that was neat to see more of Eliza and Alex's relationship because I think their relationship is much different from Kara and Eliza's relationship. Although we did get to see a little bit of Kara and Eliza interact a little more than we had in the past, uh, which I thought was interesting. My favorite line, I think, that Eliza says in that scene with Alex, um, I had to go back because I saved, I tweeted it, but she says, you were always going to be different, Alex, because you are exceptional. And I was like, oh, loved it. Yeah, that's, it's, it's neat to think that Eliza has such respect for Alex and that she knows that Alex has a special quality just as Kara has a special quality. So I like that. It goes back to what Eliza said in season one to Alex about how uh, Alex was her supergirl. So I, I thought that was nice. Um, and I guess while we're talking about Alex, did you have any thoughts about Alex and Maggie in this episode? It was very sweet. The only thing I thought was kind of like, uh, I, it's, it's a plot contrivance that I don't always think is great. Um, was the fact that it was like a near-death experience that made Maggie realize that she wants to be with Alex, you know? Like, I, I'm kind of over the near-death experience, the <laughs> near-death experience love revelation, you know, trope. Because I just feel like it gets used to death. Um, that being said, 
the scene the scene where she shows up at Alex's apartment with the pizza and beer was really cute and it was very sweet and the the moment where Alex kind of says so I get the sense that you like me I'm kind of <laughs> getting that impression like that it was it's just a funny moment and like Kyler Lee's she was very sweet in that scene so the two of them it was a nice moment a nice little way to kind of like punctuate the episode before we jumped into the crossover stuff um but yeah I was I was kind of like really like the near-death experience that's that's what we're going with here. And it wasn't even like it was a near-death experience. She got heat visioned in the shoulder. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I, that's the only That was the only kind of quibble I had with it. But the rest of it I really liked. I thought it was very sweet. I would agree. I think they tried to parallel the Cara and Monel stuff with the Alex and Maggie stuff. And I get what they were doing. They were trying to have them kind of confront their respective feelings for the other person. But I was just like, come on. Like, even with the Cara and Monel stuff, I was like, okay, this is, this is inappropriate. Like, the timing of this is inappropriate. This is weird. He's, like, dying, and she's not really into this, but then she kissed him. Anyway, it was weird. Um, although, I think I he was, was... I was so mad. I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I'm not even going to watch it. I, I was scream tweeting like in all caps i think at one point i literally just wrote don't you dare (laughs) because they were because their faces were going in close and i was like don't you dare and then i tweeted like several rage gifts of cara after that (laughs) like her doing the heat vision screaming her being like no her like using her x-ray vision and then being like oh no god i'm like that's like that was me when the kiss happened i was like dear god no no yeah, it was just, it was weird because he was sort of out of it. I mean, he was saying a lot of sweet stuff to her, like, you know, you're beautiful. And, and I think in some ways I liked that he was reinforcing and encouraging her because the whole episode, Kara was like down on herself because her parents <laughs> in her mind were these people who seemed like they were good but did all these shady things even though i think alora and zorel really did have the best interests of krypton at heart but for Kara, she's going through this problem of uh, my parents are not who i thought they were and so she's she's had a fight with kellex she had to kill kellex oh my gosh i was heartbroken i was like no kellex is dead what the and he turned evil before he died what is happening So Kara did not have a great time in this episode. So in some ways, I'm glad that somebody was sweet to her. Like, in some ways, I think she needed that. But it was just a little awkward. And the Maggie and Alex thing, the scene at the end was nice. I I appreciated that, you know, um, that someone was there for Alex as well. But I'm still just having a hard time with the timeline of this. Like, all of a sudden, Maggie's like, yeah, let's go out. Let's make out in your apartment. Like, I'm like, what? I thought y'all just last week wanted to just be friends. Like, it just seems like every episode, like, they set something up to where, like, they've come to this stage of their relationship. And then the next episode, they, like, jump, you know, 10 feet forward in the relationship. I'm like, hold on. Y'all can slow down a little bit and it'll be fine. I guess maybe I... I like the slow burn of a relationship. I've always kind of been like that because I like to see couples kind of start as friends and kind of move forward that way slowly until they kind of get to a point where they decide they want to try it. And and I, I 
personally prefer it that way. I know some people don't like to wait, and that's, I think, becoming more popular on TV is they don't want to make the audience wait. Um, I, and, and sometimes with TV, like, relationships now on TV are kind of confusing and conflicting for me. Like, even, um, and I won't say any spoilers about this, but I also watch How to Get Away with Murder, which I love. I love. It's so well-constructed, well-edited. But the relationships on that show are like, I don't understand them. Uh, they just kind of come out of nowhere, and they're very, like, one, you know, one moment they're like, oh, I want to kiss this person, and then the next episode they're like, the girl is pregnant. I'm like, what is happening? Um, so I, th- I think this is becoming a thing on TV. I've sort of noticed that relationships, romantic relationships, go a lot quicker than they used to. And I guess I'm still sort of stuck in the past because I also, and if you're marking down for how many times Rebecca talks about soap operas uh, in Supergirl Radio episodes, I'm going to do it now. Um, with soap operas, because they are five days a week, they can kind of take their time with a relationship. And I love that. I love a slow burn. And so uh, I guess I'm so used to that now that it's actually happening on the, the Young and the Restless right now. There's a couple that I'm rooting for that's kind of taken their time. So I guess for me with Maggie and Alex, I would have rather seen that they've done an okay job with the Cara Monel stuff where they're kind of slowly building it up. But the Maggie and Alex stuff, I'm just like, what is time even? Like it just, the, time, <laughs> the timeline has just moved forward so quickly. Um, it's just, uh, I, I don't know that that's the stuff I, and I know I've complained about it for like the last probably three episodes of Supergirl radio about just how weird the timeline is, but I, I just have to get over it. Um, so I, I guess, I guess Maggie and Alex are like, Hey, we want to be a thing now. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to see where they go from here, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I agree though. It's an odd, it's an oddly timed relationship, especially when you look at the way that the show has handled past couples. Like, look at James and Kara. It took the entire length of season one for them to start dating. And then, of course, again, they broke them up in the <laughs> in the first episode of the second season. But, and we've already talked about how terribly that was handled. But I agree, though. I think, what episode are we on now? Uh, number... This is eight. Medusa yeah. was eight. So we're not even halfway through a season and, and they're already a couple. So they've gone from, or maybe not even a couple, but dating, I guess, at least as of this episode, Alex and Maggie. So, I mean, they've basically gone from, think about where we started. They were literally just like law enforcement profession in a professional relationship and like hanging out as friends. And we've gone from, Alex realizing she's gay, Alex coming out, Maggie dating someone else, Maggie getting dumped, uh, Alex kissing Maggie, Maggie saying she just wanted to be friends. So you like, you literally compact all of that and you're like, it is fast. I agree though. Yeah, it's, and that's it just why gives I think me... that's why, yeah, it feels a little bit like plot whiplash, especially. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. I, I feel whiplash with this whole situation. Well, and that's the thing where I feel like the quote unquote near death experience was a total contrivance to, to get them together. But it's like, you didn't need to do that. If you, if you maybe had stretched, maybe stretched it out like one or two more episodes, they could have just totally ended on the scene where, um, you know, she's stitching Maggie up and then they're just talking about, you know, 
Alex coming out to Eliza and all this stuff. Or she could have just come over with the pizza and beer and not, and they could have just not kissed. I mean, not like saying, oh, you know, I have a problem with them kissing because that was really cute. But just in terms of if you wanted to stretch that out a little bit longer, like you could have, they could have, you know, they could have just had her coming over and them hanging out as friends. So I don't know. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe they have something planned for them in the second half. So right, maybe, that's they, true. maybe, maybe they needed to get them to this point to, to carry on whatever story they're doing, uh, uh, next year, I guess we could say in 2017. Um, right. But just, just, you know, trying to wrap my brain around. Cause like, Maggie didn't even like I don't I not Maggie. Uh Alex I don't even think started having feelings for Maggie to like what episode 3 4 something like that. So it's been only a few episodes really um that she's kind of had these feelings for Maggie. So it's just yeah, it's just very quick. And let me just say as someone who has been reading accounts of people who have had near death experiences, like I've been trying to study that cuz I'm fascinated by it. People don't come back from their near death experience and be like I'm going to go make out with that girl I like. That's not what they take away from, from, oh, my gosh, I died and went to heaven. That's not what you know, like. That's a whole different thing. When people have near-death experiences, they come back going, y'all, I went to heaven. Let me tell you about this experience. They don't, they don't say, like, oh, this, this, this is really preparing me, uh, propelling me to go uh, – you know take pizza to that girl I like so I just I think it's I, I think it's really it's 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 another thing that I'm just like okay just go with it it's fine um so I kind of have to drop that that knowledge that I have about that uh that subject uh but yeah I mean it worked I guess for the parallels that they they were going with between the two couples and and all of that um but yeah so uh, we'll have to see what they do with these uh, relationships in the uh, second half of the season. And speaking of uh, people, that's not even a really good segue because I can't go from romantic relationships to uh, people traveling from a different world, hopping into uh, that we now know as Earth 38 onto Supergirl's Earth. Um, so Bar- we, uh, we got to see Barry and Cisco. Uh, on Supergirl, which was awesome. Uh, so, Carly, what did you think about them coming to get uh, Kara's help? You can call it a relationship because I ship Barry and Kara okay. a little bit. Thank so. you. That, that <laughs> saved my terrible, terrible segue. Thank you. I'm a super flash shipper. Um, I. It's funny. I went back and watched the episode a second time. I get why people, because there were people that were definitely a little bit upset with last night's episode, just in terms of the fact that it was marketed as part of the four-way crossover. Uh, Look, I've been reporting on this for several months now, so I knew that it was not going to involve really a significant crossover plot until the very end of the episode. And we talked about it on the show even. I think we mentioned it in one of our news Oh yeah, we our news bits. Yeah, we've we've talked about how the Supergirl part of the crossover was just the the launching pad of, right, of everything right. else. So this was not a shock to my technically, system. Technically, yeah, technically not a official part of the crossover. Turns out a lot of a vast majority of people I think were under the impression that it would be part of the crossover or have a more significant role in the crossover and did not realize that Barry and Cisco would only be showing up in the last like minute and a half. Um, those people needed to listen to Supergirl radio. I know. They would have been prepared well, for it. 
And I think it was a little misleading because I think the CW was marketing it as a four show crossover. And I was like, well, it's more like three and then Supergirl's like issue zero of a comic. Like, um, but going back and watching the episode, I mean, when you think about it, it's Barry and Cisco are trying to make their way there the whole time. Yep. Because the portal shows up at Thanksgiving dinner at, (laughs) at Kara's apartment. It shows up again at L Corp when she's fighting Cyborg Superman. Right. And um, distracts him long enough for her to kind of like get the upper hand for a second. And then they show up again at the end in her apartment. So when you think about it, there is kind of a subtle through line of the crossover story happening. But I think people were disappointed because it was, you know... I mean, not. I don't mind sitting through a whole episode of Supergirl, but like, <laughs> I think some people were disappointed because it was there were some aspects of the advertising and the promotion that were a little misleading. So I get that. But all that being said, it was very good to see Barry and Cisco. Even though I keep forgetting, like in this timeline, they're not super best friends, which yeah. I was kind of sad about. Like that was a little. <laughs> Cisco has that line of like, oh well. We just, we're not really friends. We just work together. And I was like, oh, that's so sad, though. It is sad. Because they used to be, like, BFFs. And, no. yeah, so now it's a... Now Damn it's, it, Barry. He, he screwed everything up. He, all all of his, uh, his messing with all of the uh, timelines and his little fractured teacup... Yeah, he's 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 screwing everything up. So hopefully, <sighs> this hopefully. is why 2016 sucks. <laughs> <sighs> well, hopefully Barry can, you know, maybe Barry and Cisco can use this time working with Kara. Maybe Kara will have a good effect on them and help them want to repair their friendship. But yeah, I thought it was funny though that they landed in Kara's apartment. I was like, well, that's awkward. What if she was like changing, or you know, <laughs> what if she what if what if she was doing something that you know maybe. <laughs> I shouldn't make this joke. What if she had like Monel over and something got a little serious? Like you don't know what's going on in Kara's apartment. So I was like, y'all came at a good time when she wasn't there because otherwise it would be right. very awkward. Well, and then Cisco made that joke of like, oh, I hope this is her apartment or somebody's gonna be real confused. I was <laughs> like, no, someone would just think you broke in. Yeah, like <laughs> they would call the cops. They would call the police on you. Yeah, and that would be a, a a difficult story to try to explain to the authorities. Like, hey, we're not really from this earth. Right. Um, Unless they got the portal open before the cop showed up. Yeah, yeah. So and that, jumped back through. So just we're, we're really glad Car showed up when she did and that they landed in the right place. Um, and I, I got a kick out of, you know, Kara walks in, she's like, Barry and Barry's like, Hey, like, uh, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed the way Grant, uh, played that. I thought that was really funny. So it was, it was nice to see them hanging out again and it was cool to see Kara meet Cisco. So I was glad about that. Well, uh, Carly, is there anything that you wanted to bring up that we didn't get a chance to talk about? We saw Brian. Brian the alien. Brian the alien appeared again in a montage, in a scene montage, which you caught and I missed. Uh, when oh my the virus, gosh. It, like, when the virus is getting released. And it, it was, and we tweeted at Derek Simon, who co-wrote the episode, and he confirmed that it was Brian. I had to get a confirmation because, um, funny story, true story. After the episode aired, 
I messaged Carly. Like, this was, like, high priority. It wasn't like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, the crossover happened. That was so awesome. It was, Carly, was that Brian? Can we confirm? Uh, can we make sure that we, we study the pictures and the screen caps so that we know that that is actually Brian? Like, this was my concern after the episode. Like, I didn't care about anything else. It was like, we need to make sure this is, this is really Brian. Um, so I was glad to see him there. And I feel like, you know, we, we lost Kelly. You know, R.I.P. Kelly. We lost Kelly. Gone too soon. Hashtag gone too soon. Um, we, we are a champion of Snapper Carr, but he's not snapping. He's not in as many episodes as he should be. He has no teleportation abilities. He's not the, the stars are. You know, like all the things that we love about Snapper have not really come to fruition as of yet. So I don't know. I don't want to say Snapper is a lost cause, but... We, we, I don't know what we can do about Snapper, but I feel like we can champion Brian. Like, Brian is, I feel like he needs to become a, a movement in some ways. I, my plea for the writers of Supergirl, what I would love to, yeah, I don't want to make a lot of requests. I don't make a lot of requests about this show. Um, I have two. One, Snapper needs to snap at one point during the series. That's just once. That's all, that's all I need. Number two, I want Brian the alien to last until the last episode of the series. I, I don't I don't want him to die. I don't want him to be in it. I mean, he can be in, like, serious trouble. Like, I feel like he can, you know, he can have some stakes. But I don't want to lose Brian the alien. I feel like he is a precious alien that needs our attention and our love and our care um, because we've lost too many. And uh, especially in this episode, we lost some aliens. So I feel like Brian the alien... We, we need to make sure that he, he lasts till the, the last episode. Um, so I was just glad to see him again because we had talked about wanting to see him again, and he was there, and he was wearing his suit. It looks like he's still going about his business. So I, I hope we get to see him in the near future. I thought it was so cute because when you tweeted at Derek Simon, and then you were like, we love Brian, and... He was like, we love him, too. <laughs> like, aw. That made me happy. I would love to see him with a story. I would love to see Brian the alien have some kind of story that, that impacts the show in a big way. I would love to see him be, like, Maggie's confidential informant. Oh, like, yeah. have him be, like, her alien CI. Like, somebody that she gets, she, like, has to, or Alex's or somebody, like, or even Kara's, like, somebody that she goes to get, like, the, the dirt on what's going on in the alien community. Well, and he he knows kind of the underground stuff because he got in trouble with mon So I think he knows kind That's of the saying. underbelly. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. He knows, like, all the seedy characters because he got in trouble for gambling or whatever it was, not paying back his debts. I think that's a great fit for Brian. I think he can have his day job. He looks like he's got a, you know, a 9-to-5 job. He wears the suit for... He, he seems like an important alien in whatever he's doing. Um, but I think it would be cool to see him kind of have this, like, side job, this kind of... I like the idea of the confidential informant. Um, I think that could work. So we're, we're just putting that out there. I don't know if anybody uh, in the writer's room is listening, but uh, we just want you to know that we value Brian a lot. We're very excited about Brian. So uh, I, I was super glad to see him. Because uh, I was not expecting a Brian appearance. Took me by surprise. Uh, so that was very exciting. Well, Carly, what are your overall thoughts about this, this uh, week's episode, Medusa? 
It was really good. As a lead into the crossover, I thought it was fun. Um, it, the end definitely got me excited to tune in to see what happens on The Flash. I liked Eliza coming back. I liked pretty much anything that Alex does. Still don't like Bonnell. <laughs> I still don't. I'm like, I'm just over him. I just don't really care. I'm just somebody said somebody said uh, called him a piece of plain toast, and I just feel mm. like that's so accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, nah, it doesn't do anything for me. Um, yep, didn't like the kiss either, and the fact that he pretended that it didn't happen afterwards that was weird. Well, um, to be fair to Monel, Kara acted like it didn't happen either. That's true. I think she's, it was, yeah, it's weird. Like he pretended he didn't remember because he was dying. And then she went off of that and just downplayed it, I guess. I don't know. It was a weird scene. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to see Supergirl on the other shows. That's really what I'm looking forward to. So it'll be fun, I think. Yeah, I think this was a. Uh, I thought I thought this was an excellent episode. It had pretty much everything I like about the show. It had some great Lillian Luther and some Lena stuff. There was you know lots of Luther stuff. There was a great speech that uh, Katie McGrath had um, towards the beginning when she was. Uh, when she was talking to Supergirl and they were talking about all the, you know, you wear that symbol on your chest and everyone thinks you're good. And, and she's like, how long before you come after me? And I was like, ooh, sparks yeah. are flying with a Luther yeah, and a, 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 a House of L character. Like, that that was very exciting to me. So I liked getting to see a lot of the Luthers and their interactions and how interesting that dynamic with the, the mother-daughter stuff was. And I loved seeing Helen Slater come back. Um, I, I didn't mind the Monel parts, um, but the, the kiss was a little weird. Um, and I did think it was a nice little setup to, uh, the, the rest of the, the crossover shows, uh, that will be happening, um, this week on the Flash and Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. So I'm excited to see what Supergirl's, uh, presence will do for all of them and how she's going to be able to help them. So I thought this was a great overall, uh, this, this was a great episode overall, so I think that's going to do it for our discussion. Uh, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about Medusa. At Madtown Davidson says, Calix better get a lavish Kryptonian funeral in the next episode. Walk proudly in the light of Rao, little buddy. <laughs> I know. Oh. Uh, I, yeah. I, think so. I think he'll get fixed. I think he's going to, I think he'll, they'll put him back together. He's got to be reprogrammed because he, he really, he got the, the treatment where he thought Kara was the intruder and attacked her. So um, maybe Wynn can fix him. Yeah. Some, something's got to happen because I just, I, I thought we were getting a lot of quality Kellex. This season, and then when he turned evil, I was just like, "Oh, this is killing me." So yeah, I uh, I hope we get to see see more Gellix in the future. At little Hopi says, "I knew Barry wouldn't show up until the end, but I didn't realize it would be the very end." Loved that Lena was good. At Kaya underscore Matsui says, "Where was Guardian this episode? He's human and could have helped out." Yeah, good point. James was like in two minutes maybe of the episode. So yeah, I thought this was one was an interesting uh fact that they didn't use him much and I guess how how could he have helped uh as a humanist guardian? I guess he could have done some stuff 
with the Cadmus storyline. I don't know. Maybe he could have protected some of the aliens. I don't know. Um, but it was interesting that he was not there at all uh, as, as Guardian, specifically in this episode. At Curtis25Har says, really enjoying Alex's development on the series this season. At Privia says, Supergirl helping Flash, good idea. Supergirl traveling to another Earth to fight aliens without telling anyone, bad idea. I feel like she'll tell somebody before she leaves. Yeah, we 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 haven't seen her leave National City and her Earth yet, so maybe, maybe she drops a note to Alex. Well, and also, I've seen the teaser where they come through the portal and she's in her Supergirl costumes. So clearly she had time to change. I'm also assuming she's had time to tell people. (laughs) (laughs) She can leave a note. It's fine. It's fine. She'll text Alex before she leaves. Uh, Go into another earth. BRB. (laughs) (laughs) At Fernie Fuzzy says, I was really hoping that Barry and Cisco would have prevented that Monel Cara kiss. (laughs) At Rantasmo one says, why didn't Kara ask her hologram mother about the cure for Medusa? My guess is because Laura Benanti wasn't available. Yeah. <laughs> it's because Laura Benanti is pregnant. <laughs> and also probably because maybe uh, Laura doesn't really work in like the science department. Oh, that's that might be true. I mean, she was kind of more on the legal side of Krypton. Yeah. And yeah. Zora and they said was, it was like. Well, didn't they say it was like part of a collaboration between science and some other kind of division? It was it was the science guild and the military guild. Yes. Yeah, so, so. That, I think that would have excluded her from the project. Yeah, yeah I think Alora was more of like a prosecutor. Yeah, of. she was an adjudicator. That's it. Uh, at Chris Fundelinski says, I loved this episode. Lena and Kara scenes were intense. Love Lita and Lillian. Eliza saves the day. Jean V. Hank. Yay, Sanvers. At Emo Pengu says, I know they're gearing up for the Monel and Kara thing, but I really don't like it. But OMG, Lena, shoot a rocket at me anytime. <laughs> uh, at Patty Mello 20 says, Yay, Alex, but why is Kara's storyline so weak this season? What happened to Supergirl saving the day? I feel so disappointed. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, Carly. I I guess Kara doesn't have so much of a storyline. I don't know if she has a through line. I think she has. I mean, Cadmus seems to have been the, the through line for most of the season. Uh, but I feel like she's, she hasn't, she, well, the reporter thing, I think, has been kind of her storyline is to kind of develop as a reporter. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think she's still saving the day. Yeah. Supergirl, I don't think necessarily. Kara, if anything, she doesn't really have as like as many emotional elements to her storyline as Alex does. But I think, you know, I don't know. I also feel like it's nice that we're seeing Alex kind of get more fleshed out this season. So mm-hmm. I think, I think, you know, it's it kind of um, it's not. I don't think it's always going to be like one character getting shuttled off to the side for another, but. I think right now it's just Alex kind of was having more of an emotional journey. That's all. Yeah, I think it's nice to see the other characters get some some story love and some screen time. But I, I for me, I'm always connected to Kara. That's what I'm continually thankful for with the show is that no matter what happens, I still am on Kara's side. So even if she might not have like a like a huge story this season, I, I think I think 
the fact that I'm still pulling for her and still cheering for her. I, I think that's a win in my column. Yeah. At Seal Stan says, big question. Will Kara get fired for work for missing work while helping Barry? <laughs> do, you, do you think um, Snapper will miss her? I don't know if he'll even notice she's no, gone. No, he will not even notice she's gone. I, I honestly think he'll just be like, oh, you're back. Yeah. <laughs> or like, oh, weren't you just like he he will not miss her. She's yeah. still not. I don't think she's really earned her stripes as a reporter yet. So I don't think he's going to be like, where's Kara? She's supposed to be doing this. You know, he'll be glad that he doesn't have to assign her anything right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Batboy 1989 says pros green slash white manhunter and Alex slash Eliza story. Cons, everything Guardian and Kara slash Monel. Both storylines are just okay. Leave them. At Big Island Brada says, Why is a Kryptonian weapon named after a creature of Greek lore? Which is a fantastic question, uh, which I did not think about when I was watching the episode. But how <laughs> would the Kryptonians know about Medusa? Right. It, well, and then, yeah, I guess anything, they've only, what was the other thing, Myriad? But I guess that's, yeah. that could be anything, really. Yeah, so I, I think if you think about it too much, it will hurt your brain. But that's actually a valid question. Like, would they have a Medusa on Krypton? At Patricia Lowe 13 says, what if Supergirl took the Medusa virus or formula with her to Earth-1? Could it be used to destroy the Dominators? Maybe. If they like, if they like, tailor it to their DNA, it's a possibility, and would be a way to tie it into the crossover. So there, people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I get why people are frustrated. I yeah, understand. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to make. I'm just being silly. Um, well, and we also, yeah, we also, that's a good theory. we also saw some aliens that were looking for Monel. We kind of didn't talk about that, but. I don't know if they're connected to the Dominators or not, but I sort of thought they might. Because remember, I, I mentioned that the Dominators normally have, like, robes on. Um, and so these, these aliens in the ship that were going, um, going to try to find Monel, they had those kind of, like, they weren't exactly the same as the Dominator robes in the comics. But I just thought that was interesting. So I don't, I don't know right. who's looking for Monel and why. Um, but uh, I don't know if that's connected to the crossover or not, but uh, I like the theory that the Medusa virus could be used to uh, get rid of the Dominators. At Winter 62 says, Sanvers was great, Monel and Kara should have waited, and a great start to the crossover. And we have an email from a listener named Angie who writes, quote, I was a little disappointed that Episode 8 was being billed as a crossover event when we only got one or two minutes of it. I think to save time, they could have cut the Cara Monel stuff out, save it until after the holiday break, and give us more details on this impending invasion, unquote. Uh, we have an email from Ricard who shared a similar thought, writing, quote, Many people will probably be disappointed about the fact that Barry and Cisco's appearance was just a cameo. I realized this was going to be the case a while back because the producers have said several times that the crossover is a three-part story that starts with The Flash and not Supergirl. But for some reason, the CW still decided to promote it as a four-parter, which, in my opinion, was a mistake. Yeah, so it, do, it does seem like uh, some people were unhappy with the promotion and, and the way it was billed as a, a Supergirl crossover episode, um, even though it was Supergirl kind of joining them at the end. So, yeah, some, some people seem to be upset about that. 
Um, and we also have an email from Ange who writes, quote, just thought I'd comment on Hank using the name Cyborg Superman, a topic you discussed in the last show. I think the key here is the word man. To the Luthers, Cal slash Clark isn't a man at all. He's an alien. Therefore, he shouldn't be able to use the moniker Superman. For Lillian, it makes no sense. We hear the doctor call Lex the true Superman. Because since he is human and has surpassed many, he deserves that code name. Lex is Superman. That line was key for me. Because it leads to the cyborg Superman name. And Hank? Well, he's human too. And surpassed most, quote, normal people. And is a cyborg. Uh, therefore, to differentiate him from Lex and give him a cool code name for Cadmus, they call him Cyborg Superman. So, Ange, I like that thought. I think that makes some sense out of it, although it's it's still a little strange that, like, he's Cyborg Superman, but, like, he doesn't wear the, you know, the S-Shield and all that kind of stuff. It's, a little, it's still a little strange, but I like the justification for the Superman part of it. Um, I, I like the... The, the use of the Luthers in there in that, in that theory. Um, they do a lot of that play, uh, the play on that in my one of my favorite movies, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. In, in that movie, you have Lex and even Bruce Wayne. They talk about how, you know, Superman is not a man. He's an alien. So I, I think there is a lot to uh, that you can read into that, uh, that aspect of Lillian talking about, su- you know, Superman and Lex being the Superman. So I like that a lot. Thanks for uh, emailing us about that. And before we wrap up our listener feedback section, we need to play a voicemail. Hi, Jailston here. First off, uh, best thing of of uh, episode eight, no guardian. So that is a big plus uh, and very minimal of uh, James and Wind time on there, although they are cute together. Uh, second thing, why does... Project Cadmus know about Project Medusa in the first place? That is the big question. I suspect Jeremiah has been doing more than skulking in the in the uh, the vent shafts at uh, Project Cadmus in the past uh, 15 years. And finally, I don't think I would despair about uh, Kara and Monel. I think that relationship is doomed to failure outside of the fact that both of them are kind of behaving as if they're... Uh, uh, early adolescence about the whole thing. Um, the fact that Monel has uh, aliens looking at looking for him suggests that uh, his uh, his duration on the show is going to be limited. So I suspect heartbreak for Kara in the near future. But this book fits in with the comics where she doesn't really get to have any of her boyfriends for very long. So uh, all is good in that front. Oh, one more finally thing because one can never have too many finally things. Lena Luther, I think that she isn't necessarily good. She did a good thing this time, but I think she did it for Lena. Now she has positioned herself to be in control of Project Cadmus or have those resources and Elcor. So she made a politically uh, savvy corporate uh, hostile takeover move there. Uh, I would really like to see if... um, she ends up being one of these morally ambiguous characters so that she could be really evil when uh, when it suits her purposes or really good when uh, it suits her purposes because she's a Luther and they're all about Luthers. So thanks a lot. Have a, have a, have a great evening, and I'm looking forward to the podcast. Uh, you guys do a great job. There was a mention of Jeremiah maybe having to do something uh, with Project Medusa. Um, 
Let's see what else was in there. Uh, there's a mention of Monel not uh, lasting too long on the show, <laughs> and then, so I, I, you brought, you might have some thoughts on that. Um, but that's a good point that Monel, you know, there is this impending doom for Monel that maybe somebody's coming after him. So I personally don't think he'll be around after season two. He may go elsewhere. Um, but what are your thoughts on that, Carly? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't envision him being on the show long term myself. Um I don't know if I necessarily want him to be like killed off, but maybe he can just like fly away. Um <laughs> just fly away and never return. Um I did think it was really interesting though that the point about Jeremiah, because I never thought of that. Like maybe he might not be entirely honor doing entirely honorable things in Cadmus, or he was blackmailed, or who knows. I was I was actually really relieved when he saved Kara and Monel, uh, but I was reminded in, in a listener who who emailed us uh, that the doctor says you know uh, she says something to the effect of Alex uh, to the effect to Alex that Jeremiah wasn't uh, exactly what. Alex remembered him as so there might be something off with him I was kind of hoping he was himself because Kara even told Alex like I think he you know he'd seem like himself so I don't know what they're doing with that I don't know if there's something different about Jeremiah or if he is the same so I I guess we need more information about Jeremiah because we we don't know really much uh, about him um but and the, the aspect of the voicemail talking about Lena, I think, was a good one that I think we sort of touched on in our discussion that she could kind of toe the line between uh, good and bad, depending on her circumstance. So I'm going to keep it open, you know, hope, hope of all hope that maybe she'll she'll dip her toe back into the uh, the bad side of the pool, because uh, that would excite me very much. All right, well, that's going to do it for our listener feedback. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. And you can check out our uh, Spotify playlist. Uh, We have a literal Supergirl radio on Spotify uh, with over seven hours of music. So check us out there. And we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And for me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I'm on Instagram at the Derby Kid, T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can find vi- my videos that I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. You can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. Uh, I am currently taking a break from writing, get my brain back into shape for the... <laughs> over the holiday weekend, do a little, do a little brain R and R. Um, but I am working on some stuff in the background. So just follow me on Twitter and you'll pretty much be kept apprised of everything I'm working on. You have some great tweets, so I highly recommend it. (laughs) Um, and we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review and big thanks to Chelsea Nelson for writing us a review on iTunes.
And we are part of the DCTV podcast network. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, DC Films, and classic DCTV shows, subscribe to our DCTV podcast mega feed and follow at DCTV podcast on Twitter and like DCTV podcast on Facebook. Hey, Carly, do you hear something? Can you hear me? I did that time. Look, I need your help like yesterday. Hey, hey, hang on. Let me see if I can bring in this audio. It sounds like it's coming from another source. We need your help. All of us need your help. Is that Andy? (laughs) Carly, Rebecca, can you guys hear me now? Okay, look, listen. I don't have much time, but we ran into a big problem back on my Earth. It's these aliens walking giant-ass mother-effing creature known as the Dominators. They're, they're even more problematic than Oliver Queen's man paint. So, look, you need to drop whatever you guys are doing and get with me right now into this breach. I promise you it's safe. Only five out of ten people have died in it during those trips. So, can you, can you join me? Can you, you know, because we need your help, like... Like I said, yesterday. That sounds like a big problem, but we are up for helping out, so we can definitely do that. Yeah, just name the time and place. We also need to assemble this Thursday, December 1st, at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, over at Mixer.com, slash DC Podcast. That's coming up really quickly, so drop everything, get over me right now, because this breach ain't holding up forever. That sounds urgent, but we are in for it, so I guess we'll need to get going. So until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Carly Lane. And we hope everyone had a jolly Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.